friends. Welcome to this special mini episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I hope that you're having a great month. Um, Things are still super nutty pants for me and I feel like I keep saying this to people. If you're a client of mine and you're listening to this podcast episode and you're thinking, why hasn't Amanda got done the thing she promised to get done two weeks ago? I still promise you I'm going to get it done. It's just for some reason, the weeks are just flying by and I seem to be really busy and I'm getting things done, but just not getting to everything. So my hope is that we're heading into a new month. I'm going to get things back on track. It's going to be great. And uh, I send uh, good vibes, positive vibes to my fellow tax practitioners who are like, like me and my fellow colleagues in my office struggling to get our heads around all of the various tax changes that are coming into play starting in January and just trying to make sure our clients are looked after before the end of the year. So it has been a bit of a struggle for tax practitioners everywhere. So send some love to your fellow tax practitioner. (laughs) If you haven't listened to the last episode of the podcast yet, but you happen to have um, applied for one of those CEBA loans that the government um, created as a program during the pandemic, then I do suggest that you check out this past episode of my podcast, um, some changes came up recently to the rules regarding repayment of those CEBA loans. And uh, they come into play starting in January. And so I do encourage you to take a a listen to the last episode. I talk a little bit about what the new rules mean, uh, when you have to worry about repayments, and some of the suggestions for what you might want to be putting in place now so that you're ahead of the game when the deadlines start coming in in January. Also, just a reminder, October 31st is not only Halloween, but it is also the deadline for the underused housing tax filings. (laughs) Double whammy. What a great day. Um, Ironically, the federal government does have a tendency to put out new legislation or make deadlines coincide with Halloween. This has been a longstanding thing, um, and this year is no different. So there is an episode that I've released on the UHT rules. They were intended to apply to non-citizens of Canada. However, they do have some applicability to citizens of Canada in certain instances. Check out that episode. It was released uh, with my dear friend Anna of Advotax Law in Toronto, where we break down some of the reasons why it might apply to you. If you think it does, um, contact your tax advisor immediately. The time is ticking. There is no late filing option, and there are fairly severe penalties for missing that filing. And so, We're really trying to get everybody on board um, in in accordance with this deadline because there's not a lot of wiggle room uh, for this. So um, those are some of the past episodes of the podcast. Also coming up um, in November, um, I have Jordan Brown of uh, Lyft Accounting, and also he has a new venture that he's starting called uh, Copilot Advisory. I ran into Jordan at a Saskatchewan Rattlers game uh, this summer at uh, Sask Place, and uh, we ended up chatting about um, some of the work he's starting to do in helping business owners who need what he calls a fractional CFO or a fractional chief financial officer. And I thought, hey, that'd be a fun episode. So Jordan and I just recorded this episode of what a CFO is, when you might want one in your business and to kind of break down some of the barriers to, hey, you don't need to have a several million dollar business to need a CFO. There are different reasons to use a CFO within your business. And that episode is coming out on November the 16th. So stay tuned for that. 
Now, what's been going on? Why have I been busy? Um, I don't know. Life is busy. This fall has been busy. Lots of good, positive things. Um, Last week, I was at the College of Law for the Saskatchewan Firm Showcase. So every year, the College of Law invites the various law firms to come out and meet and greet with the students. And I love going back to the College of Law. It's always fun. Um, This year, they held it in Marquis Hall, which is a beautiful space that looked out onto the bowl area of the U of S. And if you have not had the chance to come and visit the U of S campus, if you're not from Saskatchewan or you haven't driven through, you know, take a little drive, come look at it. I think it is one of the most beautiful campuses in Canada. We have this beautiful green space that's in the center of all of our buildings. And it, when the leaves turn, it was just, it was magical. I was looking out the window and going, wow, was I ever lucky to go to school here? It's just so, so gorgeous. Anyway, had super, super fun times uh, with the law students. And had to figure out a new way of starting conversations because when I would start the conversation with, oh, I'm a tax lawyer, um, it tended to shut things down pretty quickly. (laughs) And I would have students say, oh, you know, I'm bad at math or, oh, I don't have a math background or, um, oh, you know, I don't think I want to practice in tax. And, And so it led to some very interesting conversations. And I found myself repeating something kind of over and over again to students that I look at tax law perhaps a bit differently than others look at tax law. So I don't think about tax law as being math or being statistics or being spreadsheets. Tax law is rooted in public policy. I mean, governments make tax laws because they're trying to encourage or discourage certain types of economic behavior. And so once you understand the underlying public policy, you'll know the tax law. And I find that fascinating because you can learn a lot about a government and its peoples by how they choose to tax its people. And so that's why I find not only Canadian tax law fascinating, but I also like learning about how other countries choose to tax their citizens. Because we're so used to the way things work in Canada, but not every country does it this way. And so I think that when you approach tax law from this perspective of curiosity, Uh, what is the underlying public policy, it makes it so much more accessible and so much easier to digest and interesting. And I did hear from a couple of students that my enthusiasm for tax law got them a little more interested than they were um, when I first started talking to them. So, you know, who knows if you're a, if you're a student and you're listening to this and you haven't taken a tax class, give it a shot. It's actually a really fascinating area of law. You can help a lot of people by getting this knowledge base and you will always have work and you will have interesting work. So that's my pitch for today. I'm actually heading back to the college on November 1st. I'm coming in to guest um, teach one lecture in the wills and estates class. I used to teach that class. Um, I taught it for seven years at the college, like the entire class, until things got a little busy. And now I pop back in to do a lecture on taxation on death. So this past week, I've been working on my PowerPoint, working on my notes, and and trying to figure out how I want to approach this with the students this year. And so as a result, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking about taxation on death and thought, hey, let's turn this into a mini podcast episode. Because this is a conversation that I have with pretty much every single client that comes through my door for estate planning. There is a misconception, I think, and it's not just in Saskatchewan. I think it's a misconception across Canada that when you die, the big thing that everybody wants to avoid and everybody's worried about is probate. 
And probate is like the gold seal of approval of the court that says, you know, hey, this is the will. This is the executor. This is how things can be distributed. Uh, Executor, go forth and distribute the estate. And with probate usually comes a probate fee, although not every province has a probate fee. So for example, uh, Manitoba has no longer any probate fees. You may still have to probate an estate, but there may not be a fee associated with it. Alberta has a very, very low flat fee. Saskatchewan has a fee of $7 on every $1,000 of assets. So each province has their own, their own system and their own fees associated with probate. And I see clients twisting themselves into a pretzel, trying to avoid probate. And sometimes we want to, and there are various reasons for that. I mean, probate is public. So when you're filing information with the court to obtain probate, your information is now sitting on a public court file. And so if you don't want people to see what cash and investments and properties and various things that you have, well, probate's not going to be great for you in that instance. I mean, also, if you do have a very large estate, even smaller probate fees like we have in Saskatchewan can actually start to add up to be quite large. So there are various reasons why people want to avoid it. It takes time. You have to file all this paperwork and wait for the court to issue an order. And so it's not great, but it's not horrible. It's not the worst thing in the world. And sometimes we spend so much time focusing on probate that we forget to focus on the other thing that's lingering in the background um, that really rears its ugly head, and that is income tax. So when you die immediately before you die, you are deemed to sell everything that you own. And I like to call this the biggest biggest yard sale of your life. So you don't actually sell everything, but it's like you sell everything and then you buy it back at its current fair market value. Of course, you're dead, so your estate buys it back. And why does this happen? Well, because for most of us, we can go through life and we can avoid paying tax on certain things because we never intend to sell them. If you think about your property that is what we call capital property, things that would go up and down in value, shares and companies, your cabin, your house, farmland, um, shares of a business, all of those things, until such time as you actually go to sell them, you often have no tax associated with the gain and value on those assets. And for the most part, you may choose never to sell those assets. And so if there was never an opportunity for that that tax to be paid, if you could just keep deferring it forever and ever and ever, the government would never get you know their pound of flesh or whatever. And so this is the reckoning day when they say immediately before you die, we're going to pretend that you sold it and we're going to ha- create this new fair market value that equals today's fair market value and we're going to charge you your tax on it. And that's what happens. Who pays the tax? Well, the estate pays the tax. This is not an inheritance tax. This is not something that impacts your beneficiaries. This is a tax that's paid by your estate. So there are certain exemptions to this big rule of a deemed disposition. One of those exemptions is certain capital property can be transferred to a spouse, common law spouse or legally married spouse, and we can further defer that tax problem until the second spouse dies. In addition, if you have something called a principal residence, I think we're all familiar with this one, you know, your personal home that you're living in, we can file a form 
say, hey, it was my personal home. It was the home that I resided in primarily while I was alive. That will uh, stop that gain from being taxable within your estate. You still need to declare it, but there won't be a tax associated with it. If you own farm property or you own fishing property, there are a bunch of special rules that apply that allow some tax breaks. If you're transferring those things to a spouse and or to a child or to a grandchild, and in certain instances can even include a spouse of a child or a grandchild um, if they meet certain criteria. So there's lots of different options that are available, but the starting point is that we have this deemed disposition. So when you're doing your estate planning, you have to take a step back and think, huh, if I was to sell everything I own tomorrow, what would the tax bill be? And that's your starting point. That's like your worst case scenario. And then you consider, well, A, do I have enough liquid funds available to pay that tax? Or is my executor going to have to start selling stuff in order to to pay the tax, like actually selling stuff to a third party? And then B, is there anything else I could do to make my situation better? And that's a very important piece of your estate plan. So I just want to kind of put this idea out there into the universe because I do find that around this time of year and heading into the new year, it is a popular time for people to start thinking about their estate planning. And I'm not really sure why. I think sometimes it's because we see people heading on to hot holidays around this time. And holidays are always a time where people start thinking about their estate planning. But we're also coming into that time where we're doing our year-end reviews with our financial advisors, our insurance advisors, our accountants. And so it's kind of a great time to get our arms around what is our current pickle? What's our current scenario? And I was just saying um, to my advisor the other day that I think it's time for my husband and I to sit down and do this exercise again because we haven't done it again in a while. This is not a one and done. Um, So when you sit down and you do this, and it doesn't take very long, you just list out your stuff and you list out what it would currently be valued and what you originally paid for it and try to figure out what your tax scenario is. Any one of your advisors can help you with this. It's very much a ballpark exercise. But in particular, if you have some investments if you own shares and companies, if you own other properties outside of your house. So if you have a cabin, this is one of these scenarios that you need to consider if you have farmland. Um, any of these things um, are going to trigger something. Might be opportunities to incorporate some philanthropic giving, so some charitable giving, which is kind of a cool way of moving some stuff away from paying tax on it and instead routing it towards a charitable organization. There are so many cool options that are available both in life and on death, um, but you can't take advantage of those if you don't stop and think about it. So this is my PSA to you to do some thinking about what you have. And even if you've got your will and your power of attorney and your healthcare directive done and you say, Amanda, I did my estate planning. My question to you is, do you know what your tax burden is going to be on death? If you were hit by a bus tomorrow, do you know how much tax that you would have to pay? And if the answer is no, then I think it's time to call up your advisors and just take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, figure this out and then figure out how it's going to get paid because there is no money tree that magically arrives in your back doorstep um, just because you've passed away. Anyway, that's my PSA for today. Um, I hope that you are having a wonderful month. Um, Happy Halloween. Happy UHT filing deadline day. Remember to get your CEBA loans uh, repaid, at least the forgivable, everything but the forgivable portion by January 18th, or at least get some sort of refinancing in process. 
check out my podcast episode um, from earlier this month for more details and stay tuned for the awesome episode from Jordan Brown coming up in November. If you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also click subscribe so you make sure you never miss a new episode. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.